This list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, this list sucks, it sucks. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm JB. And I'm Mike. And here we are on a Friday night with another episode of This List Sucks. This list still sucks. And spoiler alert. Endlessly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we have a few more weeks of suck. Yeah. Like, I hate to say that, but I mean, we've we've got a couple of weeks of suck. Surely some of this list doesn't suck, but the segment we're in right now. <laughs> we've hit a dry spell. Yeah. I mean, last week, or two weeks ago, because we took last week off. So two weeks ago, it wasn't all turds. Yeah. It wasn't all turds and pee-pee. Not at all. There was a couple, and I don't think it's all turds today necessarily, but just nothing really exciting, you know? And it's weird because we're so high. Like, it feels yeah. like we're so high up on the list. And it's like, yeah, the higher you get, the higher the qualification to not be referred to as a turd, right? <laughs> well, the higher the expectation. Yeah, that's exactly, right? yeah. Yeah, it's like a big expectation. So even if it's a record that I've never listened to before, dude, my cold listen, I'm like, all right, bring it. Yeah. Like, what this do we got be here? Hot. Yeah. yeah, it should be good. Should be. Should, a lot should of be. these, <laughs> should be, yeah. <laughs> a lot of these I, I hadn't listened to this week. Like, almost, actually all, all of them, I think. I wasn't familiar with any of them. Were you? Um. No. No. Yeah. So, nope. which I feel like is just weird at this, like you said, at this spot in the list. Yeah. I mean, I was, I mean, obviously we're both familiar with Janet Jackson, but I wasn't like intimately familiar with the Velvet Rope. That's not a record that I'd ever explored before. And no. Fuck it. But like everybody knows Billie Holiday, but you know, like I know like a Billie Holiday's Essentials. Right. Yeah. <laughs> type of playlist, you know. The greatest hits. Yeah. Basically. So Billie Holiday's one where you would have wanted to see a greatest hits instead? Yes. I guess we can get into that once we get to that. But. Well, and I'm not and I'm not convinced that we've seen the last of Billie Holiday either. Though. Probably not. Like I feel like we're I feel like we're definitely going to get a greatest hits out of her. Is what I feel like. Yeah. Seems plausible. At least a collection from like her upbeat jazzy type of stuff yeah you know what i mean absolutely i would not be surprised in the slightest so yeah yeah me either but but i mean before we get into this because there's you know there's always plenty to talk about um it was a new music friday and great minds think alike because we both spent some quality time with a young miss billy eilish yeah with young eilish <laughs> young eilish she released a new album today um oh shit i forgot what it was called. what's it called yeah uh, never happier happier than happier ever. than ever that's what it is yep uh, and she's it's got like the most the... melancholy bullshit look of her on the cover it's kind of creepy i don't know if you like like for real it, her stance <laughs> is is somewhat normal but then her eyes like if you look at her eyes they're they're evil looking yeah i think it's like yeah that's part that, of it it's kind of what she's going after though right i want to pull it up and just look at it right now <laughs> Just for myself. I can't show it to you guys. But. Her eyes are like weirdly haunting. Yeah. Is yeah. the best way that I could say it. They're like demon eyes almost. Yeah. It's definitely a weird one. Not quite as demonizy as like the weirdo on the cover of her last record though. Yeah. You know when we fall asleep. Yeah. Yeah. There was some straight ring shit on the definitely. cover. Definitely. Yeah. Grudge record. shit. <laughs> yeah. I, what'd you think about this one? Um... Listen, it's really good. It's really well made. Um, her brother Phineas like brings like he brings it with the beats. Like the beats are really cool and everything. But I feel 
I feel the same way about her singing as I do about mumble rappers. You do? I mean, I, no, I definitely hate mumble rapping more. Because <laughs> I do too. I get why, because she almost mumble sings. It's kind of like the singing version of mumble rapping, but I like her better than than mumble rapping. But when she does the real quiet thing, it kind of annoys me. Like there was one song that was almost all spoken word. Yes. And actually I dug like the message behind it, you yes. know, um, yeah. not my responsibility or something like that. Was that the, so, okay. So I was listening to it while I was walking. And so I couldn't like, I don't ever pay attention to song titles whenever I'm walking like that. Yeah. Um, I'm just listening, but it has to be, yeah, it's called not my responsibility. So it's like, okay. it's basically two minutes of like a little beat and her talking about, how her perception in the public eye and how, what people expect of her and just, and not just her, clothes, but you know, women in general, yeah, yeah, the clothes that she wears don't necessarily define her. And it doesn't make a difference like to who she is, what she's wearing and what she looks like. And it was, and it, it all totally leads agree. up, it all leads up to like the song title at the very end. And she's like, and it's not my responsibility. Then it cuts off and goes yeah. to the next one. And there's no verse, like there's no hook or anything. Oh. Like it's all spoken word. Yeah, essentially. And spoken might be a strong word. It's yeah. all like half, mumbled. It's like half. It's like half whispered word. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's my. That's listen. If I I only have one beef, and that's my beef, you know. And part of me thought about because I've seen Billie Eilish at ACL. And it's like super high energy, right? Like it, it, it was, it was fun. Like she was a fun performer to watch. Yeah, I think it'd be really fun. But how the fuck do you do this record? Yeah, like how do you perform this? Unless it's just like I don't know. Uh, Jesus, I don't, I don't even know. Yeah, you just, I mean, maybe pull out the acoustic guitar, like because a lot of times like Phineas that. does that with her. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've, I've watched some videos of her like doing little duo performances with, with her brother and maybe that's what they do for some of these tunes, you know, like they kind of put the production away and pull out the acoustic guitar and just do it that way. So I want to say, um, the last record store day of 2019, she released a record store day release of her live with an acoustic guitar. Exactly what you're okay, talking yeah. about. So it's probably her brother playing acoustic guitar. Really fantastic. Yeah. I was shocked at how much I like really, really enjoy that record. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And yeah, she could do that. But I also felt like at least whenever I saw her, like they were definitely trying to build her up to be like a big festival headliner. Yeah. And fuck all. You can't do that with, with like a coffee house acoustic yeah, set. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like 11 p.m. Bonnaroo Friday night. And you're like, okay. <laughs> that would that would almost be as bad as the late night set from Bon Iver. Yes. Where oh it was just God. like, fuck, uh, this is literally just, it's just a sleep. It's just a snoozer. That's why it's late night. You, yeah. You go to sleep. Early. To help yeah. you go to sleep. Like if you're, if you're completely spun out of your mind on the world's greatest acid, Bon Iver will put you to sleep. Don't worry they about it. They were just it. tired of these fucking fucked up hippies walking around the the farm in the middle of the night they're like let's just put bony bear and they'll just go back to their campsites and go to sleep they'll all just go to sleep it'll be perfect <laughs> uh but in terms of this record props i gotta give props to phineas like i, I do yeah. i don't hate her voice but the real star of this and most billy eilish stuff is phineas he really has a unique production style like it's super it's super modern feeling and uh, I feel like he just kind of has a style of his own. Like, I don't hear a lot of his specific style 
before, you know? It's uber minimalist. Yeah. But also really dense. Yeah. Does that make sense? There's layers, but but yeah, it's it's minimalist at heart. Like there's different textures and he's never just pl- playing everything at once. It's no. like... Uh, he's blending and layering a ton of different sounds, but even the end result, it doesn't... It doesn't overpower anything. Yeah. And it feels as if there's very little going on. But when you listen to all the layers and everything, it's intricate. Like, there's a bunch going on. So yeah. it's very deceptive in that way. And he writes some really cool chord progressions mm-hmm. for any music nerds out there. He uses a lot of diminished chords, which are not, like, really widely used in pop music. So And he makes them super accessible. I mean, that's all bad guy basically is. So, uh he uses a lot of that, that kind of dissonant stuff and he makes it work. So he's not like beyond just his production ability. He's, he's a good musician, I would say. Um, and I think that that's part of the reason that's part to me, that's part of her uniqueness too. Right. I think that that's, it's not entirely Phineas. I, I do think that the sum is greater than the individual parts. When you 100%. put those two together because his use of that, of those awkward kind of dissonant chords. They fit well with what she's doing in her kind of mumble talky oh, whisper yeah. singing. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah, it's a, has a cohesive effect for sure. Yeah. Or a synergist effect. Um, yep. He has his own solo act too. I don't know if you ever checked that out. So one of the first release was called blood harmonies. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I never, no, I've never checked it out. Pretty decent. I mean, yeah, I have, cause I've nice. actually taught a couple of the tunes. I've had them requested from some of my younger students and, uh, it's good. Very good nice. stuff. He plays a lot of guitar. He's a good guitar player. Good. Um, he's, he has a good voice. You hear a lot, of, you hear a somewhat his voice, in the Billie Eilish stuff too. Mm-hmm. Although I was pretty heavily affected most of the time. Yeah. You know, I guess I've never really tried to pick out when he's singing. I think anytime you hear a male voice, that's him. it's him pretty sure. <clears throat> yeah. Which is impressive to me. Like the, just the fact that, you know, they're, she's probably one of the biggest stars in the world right now. Right. Yes. And, uh, I mean, I imagine the personnel on that Wikipedia page says Phineas, and Billie Eilish, <laughs> you know, I don't yes. think there's anybody else involved with that. I mean, he did, he did most of that first album in their apartment, you yeah. know, in L.A. Yeah, their personnel um, credits is the antithesis of Lady in Satin, yeah. basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> A lot like, of violinists. Holy crap, Tons dude. of violinists. I mean, it's cool that they individually named every single person in that orchestra. Yeah. But that's exactly what they did. They named every the whole fucking symphony. person yeah. in the symphony. <laughs> exactly. But um, with that being said, what um, what else? We should we? I mean, we definitely have a programming note, and we totally fucked that up because we were supposed to talk about our programming note for next week. Oh yeah, we'll talk about it after. We'll hint at it now. <laughs> so well, how are we gonna how are we gonna figure anything out during the course of the show? Uh, because we won't have internet, you mean? <laughs> or what you mean tonight? Yeah, tonight. Oh, we'll just work it out as we go. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> All right. So next week, programming note for next week, before we get into the list for this week. 
programming up for next week. JB and I are both going to be um, outside of Indianapolis, Indiana to take in our first fish weekend of the year, which we're mm -hmm. extremely excited about. It's going to be at Deer Creek. So we're going to record the show, but we're not recording it on Friday night because Friday night we're going to be watching fish. Super sorry. So we're thinking Saturday morning. Yeah. Are you still thinking that? That's what yeah. it kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Saturday we'll wake morning. Up, we'll, we'll wipe the cobwebs out of our face holes and we'll get this shit set up and we'll do some Saturday morning stuff. Probably not at 5 a.m. No, <laughs> no, no. Like, I mean, when I say morning, I mean like 1145 is technically still morning to Yeah. Me. As long as it's before noon. Before noon. Yeah. <laughs> Sometime before noon. Things will at kick the crack off. of noon at the crack. Of noon. <laughs> yes. Um, so we might be able to pull off a live stream. We're going to, we're going to try we're gonna see if we can, because we won't have Wi-Fi out there, obviously. Yeah. But we we'll might be, be able to do. Yes. But we might be able to do some kind of hotspot cell phone situation. We're going to have to see how the service ends up being out there when you have you know, 15,000 people in a field, it might not be it good might enough to live stream. We'll yeah. see. But we're, we're definitely going to take all the equipment to record it. So worst case scenario, we'll get it in the can and then we'll release it after the weekend. But additional programming note, because we're going to be at a fish concert, we've decided that this is going to be our opportunity to do a bonus episode Yes. About something fishy. Yes. Because we, we're going to be, dude, it's going to be fucking fish on the mind, fish on the brain. So everyone who listens to this knows that Mike and I are big fish fans and we've, yeah. we've mentioned it before. I'm sure on the show, but Mike and I have talked several times about doing a fish snub episode of sorts because fish is not on the Rolling Stones list in any way. Anywhere. Um, and so rather than just doing one album, because there's, that's kind of a hard one to pick <laughs> thinking like which fish album should be on this list. We're just going to kind of do a, a fish episode. Yeah. And we might see if some of our compadres <laughs> will, will join us <laughs> for, uh, for that show. So yeah. they're probably hearing it for right now for the first time. Yeah. If they're listening to this. So crew, um, you, I mean, you might, yeah, you might have to do some podcasting. I mean, yes. you don't have to do some podcasting, but if you wind up just sitting around wanting to drink beers in the campground while we're podcasting, we're going to tell you to shut the fuck up. Yeah. So you may as no well talking. just, yeah, you may as well just grab a mic, you know, say something. Or I guess if you don't want to be on the podcast, you'll just set up outside the campground and people that walk by loudly, you'll just have to shush them. Yeah. You can so, be our shushers. Yeah. So it's either be a podcaster or be a shusher. Yeah. Someone's got to be a shusher. Though. It's your choice. Yeah. It's your choice. <laughs> <laughs> No, but, um, you know, maybe we'll use social to figure out what the hell we're going to talk about, but it's going to be, it's going to be a fish snub episode of some kind. So yeah, some kind. And yeah, we should maybe do that. Maybe put some kind of post some questions to our fans and see how people would like to see it laid out. Yeah. I, listen, if you have an opinion on this, yeah, shoot us a message, like, let us know, send us an email, shoot us a message. If there's something Absolutely. in particular that you want us to talk about fish related, have at you let us know and if we hate your ideas we just won't we just won't do them we won't even answer you <laughs> just ignore you <laughs> most likely <laughs> ah so with that being said if you're used to listening to this on saturday morning next week that's not going to happen um it'll probably be after the fact and if you want to check out the youtube channel check it out maybe we can pull it off yeah maybe we can't I hope we can. I'm, I'm hope holding can out too. hope, but yeah. Worst case scenario, it'll be up Monday night, I'm going to say. 
<laughs> so yeah, good call because we got to drive back on Monday morning. Yes, exactly. Sorry. So look for it Monday night. Uh-huh. Uh, check check for a live stream. We'll, we'll you know we'll at least be able to post on social media if we have the live stream worked out. I guarantee we can post that. So yes, um, we will we will keep you guys posted. Mm-hmm. But that being said, should we get into the albums for this week? Yes, please. So like we always do a little recap. If anybody is jumping in here for the first time. We are going through Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time released last year and going through five records at a time and determining which entries suck <laughs> or which ordering sucks. And turns out a lot of it does. A lot of it. Yeah. I mean, an extreme amount. Yeah. And this week we're picking back up at 320. 320. We've gone through 180 albums. That's crazy, dude. That does seem crazy. It's a lot of music. We've listened to a lot of music over the past nine months. We really have. And a lot of new music that I haven't heard before. Yeah. A ton that I've never been exposed to. That's the worst case scenario. If if we would just kind of stick with our fan base that we have now, which we love, Mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. um, If it it grows bigger, cool. But if it doesn't, like worst case scenario, we, we hung out with like 40 of our friends for a couple of years for a couple of years just listening and talking shit about music and learning a lot of, of new music that Dude, we have not checked out before a ton an absolute ton and across a lot of different spectrums like spectrums and genres that i never thought that i would have been really really into yeah so. exactly so 320 x los angeles from 1980 x stood out from the other la punks for one thing they had a married couple in the band John Doe and Exine Cervenka. I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> Venting their sexual and cultural rage over the high speed rockabilly thrash of Billy Zoom and DJ Bone Break. <laughs> Doe and Cervenka met in a poetry workshop, and you can hear it in the complex wordplay of Johnny Hit and Run Pauline <laughs> and Sex and Dying in High Society. But they kick off their debut with a hilariously nasty bang. Your phone's off the hook, but you're not. <laughs> Dis. <laughs> Dis. <laughs> it's actually a pretty solid. Uh, <laughs> it's a good burn, right? Yeah. Burn. Um, did you like this? I actually did like it. Did you 320 like this? Probably not. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like jump straight to the end like this. But so It's a fair point, though. It, when you're this high on the list, that warrants... For being the first point, that's almost point of the discussion. first question, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like here, above the Ramones' "Rocket to Russia." Okay, let's actually. Okay, so let's start there, right? Because this is definitely punk. Yeah, it's as punk as punk gets. Yeah, it's yeah, straight up. We've seen "Rocket to Russia." We've seen "Black Flag." We've seen the Clash, but you know the Clash is more than punk. Yeah, the Clash is very transcendent, rooted in punk, punk though. Rooted in punk, but too transcendent to be called punks in my book. Yeah. Um, Anything else? There's been a couple things like the raincoats could be maybe considered punk. Yeah. Some of the Iggy Pop stuff is like proto-punk. Yeah, the Stooges is like pre-punk type of thing. Yeah. But in terms of like straight up punk, I don't think we've had anything other than the Ramones. And Black Flag. And Black Flag. Okay, so which is like you, hardcore punk. This isn't really hardcore. No. Yeah. No, definitely not. This is like this, this is Ramonesy punk. This to me is the predecessor to like Blink 182 and pop punk. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. what this is. In my book, you know, because this, this is way poppier 
certainly than black flag black flag was just kind of like that was like dark and aggressive yeah that was like a violent that was like a punk's punk music yeah whereas this is like i don't know beverly hills 90210 punk music (laughs) yeah and then the ramones is like somewhere in between because the ramones is super accessible but it's definitely punk yeah you know and if i compare this to the ramones man rocket to russia was way better than this in my opinion you think so yeah but here's the thing about this there's a couple of things that they do on this record that totally fucking melted my brain and i really really loved Okay. And all of it centered around Ray Manzarek. Oh, yeah, the organ. Yeah. Fuck yeah, We should have mentioned that already. I don't even know how that's not in the description. Right? Yeah, Ray Manzarek, uh, the organ player of the Doors. Like, like, produced this record and performed all of the organ work that you hear on this record. Which is only on, like, five songs, maybe, but still. But still. You don't get organ in punk. Thank you you. And so when it comes on, you're like, what the fuck is that? And then when you did like dig a little deeper and realize that it's Ray Manzarek from the doors and he's like, it's fun because he's like, I feel like he was taking exactly what he did with the doors, but said, no, you know what? Like if I was going to, if, if I was in a punk band, it would sound like this. Yeah. And then he did it. This exactly. is what punk needs to sound like. Yeah. It's like psychedelic, psychedelic organ punk. And that I loved fucking really really loved it so like nausea nausea i put three stars next to i really loved that and i loved the unheard music too um the unheard music was by far my favorite track it's actually a five star song for me Ooh, i didn't give any fucking five stars on this that was so honestly i put stars next to a lot of these because i really did like it but most of them are lower stars like one or two you know and then i gave the unheard music five, and then I gave the world's a mess. It's in my kiss, uh, four. I, I love those last two songs. I thought they were a fantastic way to close it, the album. Sorry, I, I love talking to the mic there. No, I loved the end of the world's a mess. It's in my kiss. I really loved the end of that. I only I gave it two stars, which I didn't think. You know, I don't think that's bad. And there's only a couple of songs that I didn't put any stars next to. One of which though is the very first one. The phone's off the hook, but you're not. I was, dude, I wasn't into that. Really? Yeah. I gave it two. Did you? And I liked Johnny Hit and Run Pauline a lot. Johnny Hit and Run Pauline. It's just kind of a classic punk. I feel like it's that's like a thing. surfer. It's like, it's like surf rock or like surf punk. Surf is, punk, yeah. Yeah, is what it reminded me of. And I gave it a star because I did like that song. That's such a punk thing to do to like pick a random phrase like that like sex and dine in high society and then make that be the chorus. There's nothing else. It's just sex and dine in high society, sex and dine in high society. And I kind of like it. It's you super know? punk. Yeah. It does like that. And that is, you know, when you think about all of the weird stuff on this record, you have to ultimately come back and be like, Oh, this is, this is as punk as it gets. Yeah. You this know? is pure punk. Yeah. Um, what'd you think about the doors cover? Oh, so that was soul kitchen. Yeah. I liked it. It was okay. Uh, good guitar playing on it, but I'd probably prefer the Doors version. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what. That's that's yeah. That's where I was. I really wanted the Doors version. I wasn't very into Sugarlight, and I wasn't very into Los Angeles though. Sugarlight was almost like rockabilly a little bit in the yes. in the recording of the vocals. I did like Los Angeles. Did you remember there was some like questionable lyrics on that? If I remember correctly. Yes. I don't remember what it was pertaining to. 
I just wrote um, questionable lyrics. Yeah, there was racial slurs. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh yeah. I want to say it was like faggots and N-words. I, wanna, I think yeah. I think there was an N-word in that. Yeah, I want to say F-words and N-words. Yeah. That's what was in there. And I didn't um Oh, with Sugar Light. Sugar Light. I didn't understand. I didn't even get those lyrics. Like I'm reading them too, and it just like the song didn't necessarily make sense to me. Okay, so what I wrote was, I think this song is just about doing drugs, but really, I can't tell. <laughs> okay, good. so I'm not the only one. Yeah, that's what I, I think. It was about doing like heroin. <laughs> Jesus, really? Uh, there was a couple lines that made me think. Maybe I can pull up the lyrics and see if uh, it pops out at me. Because um, I did look these up, but I was because I was like, what? what what the hell is this about yeah um just on would, my arm i was reading them wondering what the fuck is this about my arm is tied off waiting to burn it down all right so, so i was yeah. like assuming this is about it's got to be about shooting junk, up right? junk yeah. yeah it's got to be a junk song well done um it's all right i mean it's okay it's all right if you're me. gonna listen to one listen to the unheard music yes if you're asking me i would back that up that was or, almost kind of new wavy. And yes. one, one thing I did like about it is about the album in general really is their voices worked well together. Like the husband and wife combination. I liked that. Well, and in that song in particular, like there was really good harmonies. Yeah. They like they were harmonizing well. And this was just, it was unexpected for me because it was way different style than the rest of the song, the whole album. I made a note that it, it almost had a metal type of feel to it yeah is what or, i wrote or like hard rock i, I wrote zz top <laughs> it like made me think is easy top like 70s zz top yeah like uh sharp dress band yeah. ZZ top oh shit okay so no you are going 80s zz top all right okay is that is that 80s yeah yeah i love listen it's a great song though and i do think that it's a good I do think that the unheard music, where it's not necessarily emblematic of everything that you're going to hear on here, it's the most interesting thing that you're going to hear on here. Yeah, And that's definitely. why I would give it a listen. You can't listen to that one song and then assume that the rest of the record sounds like that, though, because... It does not Not at true. All. Yeah. Not true, you know. Um, you might be able to say that about nausea, and that, like, it's really good, but it's really, really... It's so different sounding because of the organ... You know, did you put any stars next to that? Did you like that song at all? Nausea? Yeah, yeah, I did like it. I put two next to that one. Okay, all right. So I'm not completely off base then. No, right? not at all. I thought others. it had a pretty catchy chorus. It did. Um, but yeah, I I don't have a problem with this being on this list because it's, it's a pretty influential punk record, and punk was hugely influ influential genre in yeah. in most styles of rock that came after it. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but it's too high. It needs to be in the four hundreds. Yes. Yeah. Probably north of 450, meaning lower. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Higher than 450. I I don't know that. I mean, I don't know. We already got Black Flag there. <laughs> you know, I would be okay with it between four. I would be okay with it between 425 and 450. But this is way too fucking high. This, it is. this seems crazy to me. It seems crazy. Yeah. Maybe it's just because we didn't know it. I mean, Possibly. Maybe some other people would be like, what are you guys talking about? That's such an influential album and did you everybody add it, listens to did it. Did you add it to digital? Would no. You, would you give a shit about the vinyl? If I saw it and it was, you know, not expensive, I probably would snag it. Yeah. I wouldn't. Just as a collector, you know? Sure. Yeah. Just to, yeah. But 
Yeah, for me, I'm no. I, like, I would rather find the Ramones. No, oh, yeah, I'd rather find sure. Rocket to Russia. I would too. You know, versus this, and that doesn't mean that this is bad. It's just you know, um, the uniqueness to me. Excuse me, of the organ and everything else that's going on, which I do find unique. I find it clever, and I love it. It's not enough for me um, to to warrant this high of a rating. It's just not because it is very high. Yeah, super duper high. But yeah, check it out. And you decide for yourself. Yeah. Or, I mean, yeah, you should, you should give it a listen. Give it a listen. But, you know, I would temper your expectations relative to number 320. So with that being said, let's get into what I'm going to call one of my more interesting listens of the week. And that was number 319. The 1989 debut from the Stone Roses, self-titled Stone Roses. Duh. Rolling Stone says, for a few glorious moments at the dawn of the 90s, the Stone Roses looked like they were going to lead another British invasion. This one of baggy-panted, floppy-haired bands that loved 60s guitars and ravey dance beats with the same whimsical fervor. The sound never crossed over here and the band fell apart, but first they made this incredible album highlighted by the ecstatic eight-minute-long I Am the Resurrection. It laid the foundation for Britpop that blew up a few years later. You had no clue who the Stone Roses were, correct? I've heard of them for sure. Well, you've heard the name maybe, but before in reference this- to like '90s psychedelic rock, I, I've heard oh. of them mentioned several times, uh, but I had ever listened to their record. Absolutely not. No. And had you? No, no. I knew the name, kind of like you, but if you would have asked me where they were from, I would have been like, "Where they? Aren't they from? Aren't they from uh, Detroit, bro?" Yeah, everybody knows yeah. the Stone Roses are from Detroit. Obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this was probably tied for my favorite listen of the week. Yes, I could second that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're going to have the, the Probably the, not the same, the same, other same one. favorite. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we will. But, <laughs> but this is definitely my number two. Yeah. And it's pretty close. It's a pretty close. It's pretty one. solid. I mean, yeah. it's like, see if you agree with this. I... It's like 80s new wave combined with 90s alt rock. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I like both of those things. So, <laughs> yeah, I do too. I mean, there's to me there's almost nothing there's almost nothing to dislike here. Yeah. It's pretty accessible. But Super it's also accessible. kind of psychedelic at times. Yeah, at times. Definitely not all the time. At times. Um I put stars next to every song on the record. And a lot of them I put two stars next to, which is probably indicative of how I felt about this. Meaning that, you know, in my kind of world, like two stars is a really good song, but it's not like, holy shit, like earth shattering by any stretch of the imagination. And that's basically how I felt about this whole record. All these songs are good. Like they're easy to listen to. They're super catchy. Um, but at the same time, there was only a couple of these that I thought were just really, 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 really good. Which, so, sorry, the highest starred song was how many? I did give five stars to Made of Stone. I loved that song. Gotcha. How about you? Highest starred, or what did I give Made of Stone? Both. Made of Stone, I gave two. Okay. And I liked it. And what I, I said, like another really well-written, accessible, sing-along worthy chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, 
for this style of music, I feel like I want a little more rawness than what was present on that song. Oh. And it was just a little refined for like the 90s rock for me. You know, like I, I the dig whole like... The thing was super produced though. Very right? produced, refined. Like when I think of like the 90s rock thing, I'm, I'm thinking about like pavement and things like that. Yeah. And uh, I like, there's a rawness there that I really identify with. See this, and that's interesting that you say that because that's the biggest, um, in my mind, like when I think about what was happening in the 90s in the UK with bands like the Stone Roses or Oasis or yeah. Blur, like all those bands are all contemporaries of each other. When I think about that relative relative to what was happening here, which was Nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. And Pavement. And um, like that's the distinction though, right? Is that here everything was, it was like intentionally, and- it was an intentional throwback to something that just sounded f- raw. Yeah. You know, raw and new and really unpolished. And everything in the UK was was the polar opposite in terms of the feel and the sound and the polish. Yes. But I'm not arguing that it's objectively better or worse. I'm arguing that for me personally, maybe I just preferred what was going on in the US in the 90s as opposed to what was going on over in Britain. You know? Yeah. And I can't disagree with that. But at the same time, I appreciate what they were doing. Yeah. Because I do think it's interesting. You know, and, definitely, and it's well executed, really well. There's there's a lot of good tunes on here. The the my highest starred song was "I Am the Resurrection" by far. Uh, eight minutes long. It had almost like a funk rock jam in the middle of it. Um, yes. Good little like orchestrated hits in the middle. Extended like mid outro section, and I loved the verse on that. Just really really good melody. Yeah. I gave it three stars because that one could, that one deserved the free bird treatment. <laughs> Cut down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Edit fucking three minutes out of that. What about the last one, which was 10 minutes? I loved Fool's Gold. I liked Fool's Gold too. But I loved Fool's Gold because it literally didn't sound like a drummer. It sounded like a drum machine and it had like a house feel to it. It was like a psychedelic funk jam a little bit. A you little, know? a little bit, but I like to me it was a psychedelic house jam. Yeah, yeah, and that's like I house did. beat, but like funk guitar. Yes, you know, yeah. yes, and I, but I will take that combination all day long. I oh love yeah, it. I love it. Definitely. So, yeah, I gave that one four stars. Um, you get almost kind of trancey at the end. Yes, you know. Yes, but that's all. Like to me, that's all in the drum beat. Yeah. It's all in the drums that gives you that kind of feel. Now, of course, the guitar is going to add flavor to that. The bass is going to add flavor to that. But but the drums are what make that song so great. I liked Waterfall a lot, too. It almost had, yeah. like, world music vibes. I couldn't... Did you write anything about um, that? Like, I don't know if it was, like, hand drumming or something to do with the beat and just the cyclical riff that was going on made it feel kind of Paul Simony. <laughs> Um, I just wrote that I really enjoyed the guitar and the bass, um, and the vocals were really, really easy to kind of slip into. Like yeah. all of the layers were good, and I loved the lyrics on that too. Like, oh, I really, really liked really good lyrics. Actually, I have one other four-star song that I didn't even remember, which was "Don't Stop." I love "Don't Stop." the The fuzz, dude. The fuzz guitar on that is money for me. And that was like the first uh, maybe third or almost half 
was instrumental. Yeah. And I love when eventually, and it kind of built up and it was really psychedelic and it was like a reversed guitar track is what it was. Mm-hmm. That they recorded it and then reversed it. Yes. And, and they backmasked it. They backmasked it or however the fuck you say that. Backmasking. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then when the vocals finally came in, there was like a real quick break and it just cut out and it was only like vocals saying like, don't. And then it came right back in, <laughs> which I thought was really, really cool. It was cool. I love that one. Can't disagree. Um, what'd you think about shoot you down? Um, that's the only one I gave no stars. Really? Although I'm wondering if I forgot to write some because I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like I remembered like that. That was like the one that was like, I love to do it to you and you know, you've always had it coming. Right. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I kind of liked that one a little bit. So maybe I forgot to start. That. It was like, like to me, it felt like an updated version of, it felt like a Beatles song is what it felt like to me. Yeah. It felt like a newer Beatles song or maybe even like a fleet foxes type of feel to it. So um, you liked it. I take it. Yeah. I dug it. I dug it. I gave it three stars. I was in, I love the baseline and the vocals were just, that's the one thing like his, the vocals on this are so easy to listen to. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, sometimes like even on, and granted X is a punk band. And so, you know, you're going to get more challenging vocals, but you know, sometimes like we were talking about Billie Eilish, like mumble rap, like the whisper sing, like sometimes the vocals are really challenging, but damn, like, this worked and it didn't matter if it was like a more psychedelic bend or a more funk bend or a more house feel like the vocals were just really easy. Yeah. Easy on the ears. Which I Agreed. Like. Definitely. So what do you want to do with this thing? Well, this is an interesting album because like I, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week. I know it's like, it was so good that they essentially couldn't effectively follow it up. And then they just kind of faded out of relevance. <laughs> I mean, they, they only made one other album after this, and yeah. it was horrid dog shit. <laughs> Did you listen to it? No. But, you just, yeah. It's, I mean, based it's on... It's known. Yeah. It is known. It is known that their follow-up to this fell hard on its face. Damn, yeah. And they basically broke up shortly after that. And then they, I think they ended up reuniting and playing some shows and stuff. They did a reunion, played a few shows, got super excited, said they were going to release a new CD and cut like three songs. And they're like, hey. And they're like, fuck you guys. We peaked in 89. <laughs> 89. We'll always have 89, guys. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I don't... Um, because this wasn't anything, because this wasn't an anchor in my life, and I feel and like this record has to be like an anchor in your life for some reason to warrant this type of ranking. Because it's very high as well. And yeah, it's just, I was about to say something like that. Like maybe it's just because I don't, I wasn't familiar with it before. Maybe it would have meant more to me if I discovered it earlier or before I spent more than two weeks with it, you know? Yeah. But uh, just... I feel like any album on this list, you should be able to ascertain why it's there within a week or two. You know what I mean? Like it shouldn't be something that you have to have that nostalgia connection to in order to understand his placement. You know? Yeah. And I mean, ideally you're talking about 500 albums, which that's a lot of albums, but not 
in the pantheon of how many albums have been released, right? Yeah, it's, it's not very many. It's really quite a small sample size. So to me, even on a cold listen, for the most part, most of these records, it should be, oh, yeah, okay, I get this. I understand. You know, it shouldn't be difficult to, to figure out why this is there. And I don't think this one is super difficult to figure out. It's a really good record. Yeah. Like, it really is. Like, it's it's a good early-ish alt record british alt record right and it's good um but man i don't know i don't know about 319 i i know i think it's definitely way too high well tell me this do you want this on vinyl sure yeah yeah i, I would, would pick up the vinyl too did you add it to digital no i don't think i added any this week to digital um i added everything to digital because i did some plain listening but there's going to be plenty that I remove. Gotcha. You know, I'll just delete them from. Oh, because you, yeah, because you had to download yeah, it. Yeah, because I had to download gotcha. it because I was up in the sky. Um, okay, I'm going to say that this that this thing needs to drop by 50 to 75. Yeah, I think it's a 400s for right. me. Yeah, so you're dropping it even more. Mm-hmm. I would I would keep it. I would keep it um, higher than 400. But realistically, like it probably needs to fall at least between three seventy five and four hundred for me, just yep. because it doesn't. I don't know. Which again, that's not a a slight. You know that that's still a compliment. I, we want it on the list. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just I would rather. I don't know. I'd rather see something with more uniqueness at this stage in the game, or something that again on a cold listen, you know, you get halfway through and you're like, fuck yeah. There I'll are plenty it. of things that, that were before this on the on this list that I would prefer to see higher than this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I'd pick up the vinyl, but I definitely got to drop it down. And it's worth a listen. Like, if you're not into the Stone Roses, if you're not familiar with them, you should absolutely do it. Uh, one of the things that I want to make sure that we do, though, is um, bring in Rex, because Rex took the time. To oh, yes. So, so real quick... Um, Let's. I want to talk about his stone roses, and then um, I'll let you jump back, and you can recap his, his thoughts on X. Yeah. So Rex writes to us, "Why is this album here? Did I miss something? I don't get it. There's nothing special about this one that I hear. Nothing coming out of the speakers grabs my attention. If this record was on sale for fifty cents, I would buy it just to have a replacement coaster. Fuck. Next. How do you actually feel? Jeez, Rex, tell us how you really feel. I know. <laughs> so Rex, uh, he didn't he didn't love it. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say. No. <laughs> no. No. Well, probably, we definitely liked it a lot more than Rex did. Yeah. He probably doesn't want to keep it on the list even. I d I don't think so at all. Yeah. <laughs> I would venture that far. Uh but yeah, honestly, I'm surprised by that. I am too. I thought that he would have dug it a little bit. Because what I was about to say is this is definitely my top recommendation of the week. Like if you're going to listen to one, Interesting. I'm not saying it's my favorite album of the week, but I think the other stuff, you know, you're kind of familiar with the sound at least, but this band, I don't think you've heard this band. So, you know, go listen to this. And you've heard bands like X, I think. Yeah. You know, you've heard you've heard Billy Holiday, you've heard Janet Jackson. Um, we just heard the Who. You've definitely heard the Who. We list. just heard Janet Jackson, you know. That's, that's um, absolutely true. But you haven't heard the Stone Roses probably. Probably not. 
or at least I hadn't. So go check this. That's my top recommendation of the week. I feel you. Okay, Rex Todd, uh, going back real quick to Los Angeles by X, that first album we talked about. Liked this album within the first five seconds of the first track. Super clean riffs, great vocals, something perfect to start an early Friday morning. This is a great album, well-produced, just an overall fantastic new jam. Wow, he loved it. I know, which is which is fun. Like that's why I like that's why I like taking in Rex's thoughts because a lot of times he's dead ass wrong like that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing you, Rex. <laughs> Sometimes he is. I love it. We got to right. have something to compare our answers to. Sometime. Exactly, exactly. Uh, what do you say? Should we move on Let's to Ms. Jackson? Yes, Sorry, the second Jackson. one in in twenty albums, right? Or in fifteen? Fuck. Yeah, it might be in fifteen. Um, three thirty four. Oh no, you got to go back farther than that. Actually, you got to go back to three thirty nine. Okay, so 21 albums. Yep. Uh, Rhythm Nation was there. 318 has Janet Jackson's The Velvet Rope from 97. So that's about 10 years later, right, than Rhythm Nation? Shit. I just moved away. Sorry, I apologize. Oh, you're okay. Hang on. I think it's closer than that. Uh, Rhythm Nation was 89. So, yeah, close to 10 Almost years. 10 years, yeah. Okay. Janet Jackson left behind her girl next door image forever with The Velvet Rope an album of sexy, confessional, freewheeling hip-hop soul. She fuses Joni Mitchell and Q-Tip in Got Till It's Gone, but the shocker is her girl-girl version of Rod Stewart's Tonight's the Night. I always write about what's in my life, she told Rolling Stone. I did that on Control, and I did the same thing with this album. It's kind of like cutting yourself open and exposing yourself to the world, which is a really vulnerable thing. That's what she did here, right? She definitely did that, yeah. What'd you think of it? Um, so when I did my cold listen, I was disappointed that they had this one here and Rhythm Nation where they had it. Yeah, I'll agree with you right off the bat. Because I felt like I wanted to see Rhythm Nation up here more just because to me, like the hits on Rhythm Nation are fucking really, really big. You know, and also, mind you, the hits on Rhythm Nation are almost all exclusively written by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. This record, though, like when I dug down into it, a listening to it. Like when they talk about vulnerability and like an artist talking about like real shit and real vulnerable shit. This is it. Like this is a way more um, kind of open book into her thoughts. I felt. I felt then Rhythm Nation, primarily because she has songwriting credits on every single one of these. Does she? And I think that a lot of those songwriting credits are not the music. You know, I still think that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis did almost all of this music on this record because the music itself is really, really good, right? They write great hooks, good beats, like it's all there. But when you listen to the things that she's saying and kind of what she's exploring, I do think that this is... I think this is a super personal album for her. And I love the social justice aspect of Rhythm Nation because that one was really, really, like, it was really powerful, like, what she was trying to say. It really was. And there was some of that here, too, like like the stuff that she's talking about, same-sex relationships and stuff. Absolutely. And this is 97. I mean, it's not no. that it was, like, unheard of, but it also was, like, 
You know, it was still okay to like say faggot and things like that back then. You know what I mean? All of those words were totally socially acceptable. And don't yeah. forget, this was this album had to have been done within um, um, defense of the Dama, the Defense of Marriage Act. I think Defense of Marriage Act was like ninety five or ninety six, yeah. and the Defense of Marriage Act was where Bill Clinton, Democrat, right? Like you would think that Democrats would support gay marriage, which they largely do now politically. But not in 96. Fuck no, dude. Bill Clinton literally passed a lot, like signed into legislation a law that protected the fa- the idea that marriage could only exist between a man and a woman. Right. And that was a Democrat that did that. Yeah. You know, so the world was way fucking different. And she's taking serious chances, like talking about, she you know, really is. It's a bold girl thing. Girl. And I appreciate that. That's one thing I, I really love about Janet Jackson is her presence. I mean, she's super like warm, compassionate, almost like nurturing, you yes. know, but towards everybody. She's very accepting. There's so she much has love, very dude. good messages. Yeah. So much love. Lots of love in her. So much love. And that's, and that's where I'm at too. And it's funny because again, the cold listen, like there's not, to me, there's not nearly as many just like hard hitting hits on this record yeah but i actually like it above rhythm nation just because man i like i feel like this is an artist that has been dissected by herself does that make sense like she really kind of cut herself open and like yeah showed the world the inside i think i'm still on team move rhythm nation up but i get what you're saying you know what uh what hit you the hardest here what did you like so honestly, this one was kind of, it took a little bit for me to really get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, the first song that I gave more than two stars was Go Deep. Okay. At, I gave that one two track stars. eight. Yep. Um, I love the of chorus G- on that. G-Funk? Did you hear G-Funk in this? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I heard that too. I, I'm going to say it. I did not like Got Till It's Gone at all. Even with Q-Tip. Definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, just, not. I just did not like what they were doing there at all. And it was a kind of trip hoppy, which normally I really like trip hop, but that was not working for me. I did not like like the, it was, it felt like it was Johnny Mitchell's voice, but it sounded like it was auto tuned. I don't yeah. know if it was or if it wasn't, it sounded like it was. And it was also sampled and they were like cutting it in. It just wasn't working for me. I don't want to hear Joni's Mitchell voice in that context. And Q-tip kept saying, Joni Mitchell never lies. I hated that. I was like, that is just the, why, why are you even t- rapping right now? Like just do your rap verse. We don't need you to cut in over Joni Mitchell singing and say, Joni Mitchell never lies. What a worthless contribution to the song that was. <laughs> I didn't, um, I didn't hate the song because I liked the way that their voices complemented each other. Cause Q-tip has a really, really unique, um, tenor to his voice right like it's almost kind of nasally and like almost high-pitched in Kid a weird Cuddy. way kind of reminds me of that a little bit you think so no yeah but it's high but it's even higher pitched than kid cuddy does that make sense Might be. like the actual pitch to his voice is yeah. like is higher and i actually really liked the tenor of his voice with janet's voice you know yeah um i didn't hate that at all and i didn't like his or i didn't dislike his actual like verse when he did his, his yeah verse. when he actually did his verse that was fine yeah. but i just didn't like 
the, the way combination of that Joni. with Joni Mitchell and the auto tuning. If there was there, it sounded like it was. It was, dude. They did something weird. Yeah, <laughs> they did something weird to that sample. The beat was really good on it. But I get where you, I I get the um I get the criticism that you're throwing out there like the kind of chopped up feel to it. Yeah. I didn't hate it nearly as much as you did though. Yeah. It did I not really work did. for me at all. I loved Free Zone. Uh that was my next 3 star. I loved that one. Yeah. It was so eclectic, dude. It was it that's just a fucking wild song. And talk about like bold lyrics at the yeah. time, you know. Fuck yeah, dude. The horns like really really wonderful horns in there. Yeah, that was Flip, like, dude. There's almost like some instrumental hip hop to that, you know? Yeah. Because there were some instrumental sections. Absolutely. And, yeah. The end, there's a wonderful little flute part at the end that's just fucking great. I it like was, Together Again a lot. Yes, I did too. I put three stars next to that. Same. Uh, really heartfelt, well written chorus. Yep. Has a harp on that. What? Um, so the one that I gave the most stars to was What About? What about? What about was basically oh, like it I gave was one to that. I remember that oh, one. Oh, yeah. why? Really? You hated that that much? No, a star is good, right? No, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just um, I fucking loved that song, dude. The lyrics to that song were just so fucking visceral, and the hook, man, the hook to that song is crazy. It's hard hitting, man. It's good that she's not putting up with that asshole shit anymore. Right? <laughs> uh, Seriously, good slap though, based dude. on it. Yeah. You know what I thought about when I was listening to that song? Did she write that about her dad? No. She wrote it about a lover. Did she? Yeah, because she says, like, when you told me you didn't oh, fuck yeah. her, when you told me she only, gave, she you only head. gave you head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't think she's true. saying that to her dad. She's but probably not. Probably like a lover. I, I At least that's how I took it. I don't know. Maybe I need to listen no, to No, you're right. Um, it has to be. But just like the way that she was talking about like the the emotional abuse, like the verbal abuse, and then the cheating and everything else. Like it's like. But I you don't could know. definitely draw some parallels to her dad there for sure. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah. Um, the beginning was a little cheesy to me. It was like pretty stereotypical R&B ballad with like beach sounds. It felt sounds, like a ballad, yeah. Beach sounds, classical guitar, <laughs> in, inexplicably. Yeah, like a weird flamenco guitar <laughs> yeah. or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then when it came with the chorus, it's like, boom. And, and the chorus was really good. The super chorus good hook. hits super yeah. fucking hard, right? It's yeah. a really good hook. So and I liked to, it. To me, it was a combination of the hook and the message. Yeah. I loved it. Like, I love girl anthems about fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. No, I get it. Like, those are the best girl anthems. So, um, tonight's the night. Especially because fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He sounds like an asshole. I know, right? Yeah. He really does. <laughs> tonight's the night. Rod Stewart cover. <laughs> What'd you think? I loved it. Did I you loved love your it? take on it. Yeah. yeah. It was fun. It I didn't fun. star it, but I didn't dislike it. Was that a stand-up bass? Yes. Okay, I was trying to figure out if it was. Dude, and I love just like, there was this certain tenderness to her voice in that song. And she almost always has like this unique tenderness to her voice. But just in that setting with that particular song, I'm in. Loved it. I liked I Get Lonely a lot. Did you like that one? Yeah. I I mean, I gave it two stars. That was a four star for me. Nice. Um, It almost reminded me of Jackson 5 on the verse. Did you? Not the chorus at all, but the the verse. The verse, yeah. 
I loved the verse, and I thought it was rad how they basically just ISO'd her voice with that bass. Yeah, that, that's kind of what it was because a lot of the Jackson Five stuff is a like, lot. Of think that. about like the ABC tune and stuff yeah. is like pretty bass re- reliant. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, or bass centric during yeah. the verses. I mean, obviously, you have the lyricist and the performer that's out there that's carrying the melody, but when you strip that away, it's it's mostly just the bass, right? Holding that's it, holding yeah. up the rest of the song. So. Um, and then after that, it was like a bunch of dirty sex songs. <laughs> <laughs> this is basically what it was. It's yeah. funny because yeah, like ostensibly. I can't tell what the velvet rope is. Like I think what the velvet rope is, and based on what I was reading, is like this is basically like a wall you put up, you know, and you let someone pass your velvet, someone rope, pass the velvet rope, meaning that you, uh, you know, let them inside, pass your, let your guard down it's basically. a club reference right yeah it's a club yeah reference. exactly but like, like turn it into like you know letting your emotional guard down yes but then in that song she's like i want you inside my velvet rope <laughs> I'm like, is, is the velvet rope a vagina <laughs> like i don't know what the velvet rope is <laughs> um it does get muddied in that song yeah because right? <laughs> above and beyond anything else she just wants that she just wants that fucking rope burn <laughs> right yeah i wrote it was a cool sexy little burner that's what i wrote and yeah. it also had more of that kind of g-funk type of feel yeah which i love how like the g-funk from the west coast rap scene kind of blended itself into pop music and i really felt i've really felt that more than anywhere right here with this yeah. record a lot of that which um, is why that stuff needs to be on this list the g-funk stuff absolutely like the snoop record and yeah the chronic you know yeah absolutely um i wrote Something like a deep message that 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 last interlude was a deep message. So I want to pull the lyrics up to that one. Uh, oh, I, that's funny because I wrote the same thing. I wrote skit with great message. <laughs> yeah, because there's not much to say. And I want to say that 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 last one is only like 20 seconds or 21 seconds. A lot of these interludes are just that. It's and it's like the same thing on Rhythm, Rhythm Nation. Yes, absolutely. They're like single phrases that join the theme of the album together. Yeah. You know, or link one song to the next. So the spoken line on that last interlude was, there's nothing more depressing than having everything and still still feeling sad. We must learn to water our spiritual garden. Yeah, I like dude, that. That's a wonderful message. It is. It really is. It's a great message. And she wrote that shit. I bet. I, yes. Yeah. I think she wrote all of the lyrics on this whole thing. Really? Yeah. When I look at the writing credits, like the, the, the writing credits across the board, I'm, I'm, I feel fairly confident that that was her contribution. Cause I don't think that she's much of a, I don't think she's much of a musician, you know, like I, I, really, think so. I really think that her producers and especially Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam wrote most of her stuff, yeah, you know, musically. Music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so do you want to just flip these spots with Rhythm Nation and this one? Or do you want to move them both up? Do you want to move them both down? Like, or what do you, like, what are you thinking? I need to look back at what I said about Rhythm Nation. About Rhythm Nation. <laughs> um, I think I'd probably drop this down a little bit. I'd leave it on. I think Janet Jackson definitely deserves a couple records on this list. And spoiler alert, let's read Rex real quick. Um, but one comment Rex makes is, wait, Control isn't on this list. So her album Control, which is the other one that I would have thought maybe would have been on, on here. Is it's it not, on here. 
It is on here. It's on here. Oh, maybe he's just thinking that that uh, because he uh, hasn't seen it yet. Possibly. Yeah. Rex, um, listen, based on that comment, weight control isn't on this list. I believe that that's incorrect. Okay. Well, and, we'll have and to if, find out. Yeah, and if you haven't seen it on the list, just keep going higher. Okay, so it's pretty high. Okay. Um, well, then, yeah, I'd probably drop this one into the latter, the lower portion of 300 so probably like 380 to 400 okay and uh keep rhythm nation where it is oh okay all right so you don't want to move rhythm nation at all you just want to you just want to drop this one a little bit Mm um man so okay so rex says definitely has that late 90s r&b sound and feel you can hear the maturity in her voice it's a good album rhythm nation and this album could trade places and i wouldn't even be mad about it so Rex is basically in that camp of, hey, these are both good, but let's put Rhythm Nation above this. Yeah. But then he says, wait, control isn't on this yeah. list. This fucking list, I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So again, Rex, check, recheck the list and just go higher. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure you find control. Um, man, I'm really, I'm super torn. I'm super torn, and I don't think I'm wrong either way. I'm actually okay with this being above Rhythm Nation, though, just because of, like I say, like I think there's a unique vulnerability with this album. And I appreciate an artist taking that type of risk. And especially in this time, because, I mean, I'm not saying that Janet Jackson is the reason why, like, LBTQ, um, you know, why that movement, like, slowly gained traction. But this sure as fuck didn't hurt it. No, it, yeah, it definitely helped it, you know. And and from that standpoint, even though even though Rhythm Nation I think did a lot of the same things in terms of like the social justice message that she had in a lot of those songs because this one is so much more I think personal, I'm like I'm willing to say yeah, like now, oh fuck. Uh, I don't know. This is so hard, dude. It's a hard one. Because if you ask me, you know, what album should I listen to if I just want to hear the best hits, I would say you know, Rhythm Nation. To Rhythm Nation. Control. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Control would come first. Yeah. Control but would come first. I'm glad we didn't have to make this list and that we just get to talk shit about it instead. I know. Because <laughs> this would be, I mean, seriously. It's a hard like, job, yeah. Credit to the editors for making some of these decisions. Some of these decisions, fuck you. You totally fucked them up. But this one, I don't think you did. And and I think that there's a whole lot of debate here. But this is one where I'm actually going to be, I'm actually going to be okay with this. I'm going to be okay with where it's at. Um, I don't necessarily want to move it up, but I don't necessarily want to move it down either. Like I'm pretty comfortable with this and I, and I do like it above rhythm nation. So awesome. All right. Moving on. Shall we move on? I can let us do so. Okay. Three seventeen from 1958. One miss Billie holiday and her album lady in satin Rolling Stone says by the time she cut this album in 1958, Billie holiday had lived several lives battling drug and alcohol addiction and emerging with a battered psyche and a delivery to match. Holiday had trouble remembering lyrics and sounded weathered no matter if the song was hopeful or desolate. But on what amounts to one of the last great saloon pop albums of the rock era, her voice retained its supple, distinctive tone and Ray Ellis's elegant orchestration supported 
and cushioned her a year before her death. That last clause is fucking terrifying, right? Like she basically recorded this right before she died. Um, and you can hear it, dude. Like everything that they say here is so There's a true. raspy roughness to her voice for sure. Yeah. But it also sounds very mature. Um, it's funny because kind of like the Dylan record that we listened to way back in the 400s where we were like... The one from the early 2000s? Yes. Yeah. Where we made Highway... The, um, Highway something, right? No, something times. Modern times? <laughs> we're fucking terrible. I thought it was... Because I, I thought it Didn't sounded we hire similar a to Highway 61 Revisited. Didn't we hire a production manager or something? He is not present. God damn it. <laughs> some inexplicable reason he's probably gonna try and wake up early which he justin you never wake up early on saturday dude (laughs) never it's never gonna happen no i'm just teasing (laughs) um i'm working on finding that out okay well while you're working on that um you know we talked during that record about some songs sounded as though they were cut earlier in the session and then other songs sounded like they were cut later based on the quality of his voice i kind of felt the same way here too you know some of these songs it just sounded like her voice was just a little more tired than where it was in other places but this album is um I mean, it's basically the swan song for a woman that, um, man, she went through a lot, you know, between the drugs and the booze. And I want to say that there was battery involved in here as well. I mean, she just, I would say so. Yeah. She lived a super bad relationships. Fucking, yeah. She just lived a super fucking hard life, you know, but she was still able to, hold it down and put together a really, really beautiful performance. And they talk in the description about Ray Ellis and the orchestration. And that really is, it's almost magical the way that they cut the strings and the horns. Um, And then when you get her vocals laid over the top of it, it really is a stunningly beautiful conversation. And you can almost just hear the years and the emotion in the way that her voice is sometimes not there, right, through that raspiness, or even just almost seemingly a little bit shaky, you know? And it's just it's just age, you know? It's just it's age. age and drug use, you know? Um, but I like it. Honestly, it's like a pleasant weathered quality you know um and you know whatever she had to go through to get that obviously i feel for her but uh it it works for me like the, the her voice throughout this record did you um so one of the things that i struggled with on this album is nothing stood out to me that's a th- this album is jazz ballads okay that's all it is so if you don't like jazz ballads, don't you're not going to listen. You're not going to want to listen to this. No. But, and they all are of similar quality and the bar is high in my opinion. They're all super, super well done, but none of them have like really standout melodies. There's none of these songs that you're like, damn, that's the best song on the record. That's They're all, right. So I gave a lot of these stars, but I gave them mostly similar amounts. It ranged between two and four. Every single song. Yeah. I put two stars next to. 
To every single one? Yeah. yeah. And that's in everything that you just said. Like, I, I literally have nothing to add. Yeah. Because everything you said is exactly right. All of the songs sound very similar. And they're all incredibly well done. Yeah. The mix is beautiful. The strings and the orchestration are stunningly well um, conducted. And then they're basically adding like a jazz quartet to this orchestra and that's creating the backdrop. So you get unbelievably wonderful trombone play here so and there good. throughout. And trumpet. Yeah. Yes. I mean, spectacular. And the trombones, what stood out to me more than Same the trumpet. Same to me, because there were several trombone solos, at least three. Yes. And just, I mean, beautifully executed. You know? Amazing tone. Yeah. And when you and when you put that like buttery smooth trombone tone next to that voice of hers which is carrying all that weight of addiction and use and just like hard living it's beautiful it's yeah. wonderful you some know? of the trombone was like so buttery that it almost thought it was like a french horn at, at, at times you know yeah. which granted is a little bit higher tone range you know yeah but, and that's what I was, yeah but, but some of the higher notes on those trombones like if you <laughs> Almost could pass. <laughs> yeah, but just like these beautiful little glissandos where he was going from the lower range of the horn like up into the upper range of the horn. And it was just, ugh, just greasy. <laughs> just so, so fucking spectacular. And I made notes about the trombone on at least three songs. Maybe even, maybe four. Um, but again, beautiful execution. Wonderful but very little um, um, no dynamism to the album whatsoever, which I think is what you're going to get, you know, with, with, with uh, the style of music, which is like loungy jazz ballads, you know? Yeah. Yep. And, and I'd almost argue is warranting even more that this album should be on this list. Because this is really an album, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, like, and it's not on here because of one or two or three or even four really good songs. This was not a hit, no. Right? None of these are hits. Like some of these albums that we've had, like there were three or four really good songs, and then the rest was pretty good, you know. <laughs> but this is just steady throughout, yeah. and the, it's a level, yeah. So it's a level and it's a good one. Do you think this is the only Billie Holiday that we get? I don't know. Honestly, I'm not familiar enough with her albums to tell that. Well, Strange Fruit's not on here at all. I mean, it's not on this record. Oh, this, okay. I wasn't sure if that was an album. I know that's a song. The song. I feel. I feel like we almost are guaranteed a Billie Holiday greatest hits or anthology like collection yeah. from her early years. That's entirely possible. It seems a little like bit higher energy, more youthful and vibrant. Yeah. Because, because this was, this was definitely, um, this was definitely an offshoot for her from the standpoint of the vast majority of her career was her singing with like a jazz quartet or a jazz quintet. Was she the first one that did a popular recorded version of Strange Fruit? I believe so. Because that's just like a traditional song. 
Yes. But, but, but she's but the first she one. She was the one that, yeah. That, that, that is like, a haunting fucking song. It's creepy. It is very, it's disconcerting. Yeah. 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 As it should be. Yeah. <laughs> As it fucking yeah. should be. Yeah. We would, you know? Yeah. But, but I would be really, really surprised if we don't get some type of collection or anthology from her, or from her youthful years. Cause her voice was so much different. Yeah. And her fair, like what she was singing back in those days was so much different. Than I hope this. we do. Personally. I hope we do too. Yeah. Cause I really do love Billie Holiday. Um, in terms of this, I get why it's on the list. Um, I would absolutely, I would love this vinyl. Fucking A, I would Hell love yeah. this vinyl. I added it to digital because I listened to it on the plane. Will it stay there? Um, I mean, it might. It's just so weird because to me, this one, you got to be in the mood. Yeah, you definitely do because it's all jazz ballads. So I you mean, got to be in the jazz ballad mood. Yeah, you probably, I mean, you're not going to work out to this unless your name is JB. I did do that, yeah, <laughs> because I listen to these records a lot of times while I'm working out. Power in terms of my cold, my cold listen, heavy squats <laughs> to Lady in Satin. I was actually, yeah. so. That was not a PR day for you. <laughs> no, definitely the not. The music a PR wasn't day. at least wasn't assisting with that. So no, absolutely not. Um, Rex says. I swear I was born in the wrong decade. This was her last recorded album before her death from complications from heroin addiction. Her voice, although markedly aged, is still beautiful. The instruments are incredible. This recording is an absolutely brilliant listen. Great record. Such a beautiful talent lost to addiction. Yes. I like his sentence that her voice, although markedly aged, is still beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's perfect. There's just there's just a lot of there's a lot of tread that's been worn off those tires but also her technique was refined you know because like i was i was reading about just her style and basically she learned how to sing not necessarily from other singers but from jazz instrumentalists that that was like where she took her style from so was that's why her phrasing is kind of goofy the way that it that's is? exactly why because she's singing like instrumentalists whereas most time it's the opposite most time instrumentalists are trying, trying to play to like mimic. singers yeah but just with uh the timing of when she was coming to prominence and her style i mean jazz is instrumental based uh, there's no arguing there jazz singing while popular is certainly not the forefront of jazz music you know no. j- jazz is instruments yep and uh so she basically tried to sing like an instrument would play. Wow. You know, good honor. Yeah. Good honor. Um, I'm good with it. I, like I'm good with it here. Even if it moved up, even if it inched a little bit closer to 300, um, I wouldn't be upset by that. She's a hugely important figure. Big time. And this was, this was my other favorite of the week for the record. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I didn't hate it, but, um, because it's so unique in its spectrum, it's tough for me to say um, I adored this so much and I can't wait to go back and listen to it again because I'll absolutely go back and listen to it again, but it's going to be like really unique circumstances that draw me back to this. And album. you're totally right when you said you got to be in the mood for it. Yeah. Cause if you're not, it's just not going to work, you know? Yeah. What, uh, where are you at with it? Do you want to keep it here? Do you want to move it up? Keep it here is good. Okay. I'm not opposed to moving it up, but I don't, I'm not going to advocate for it. Yeah. Um, I like where it's at. Yeah. There's just, you know, looking forward through the next, 
you know, two or three weeks when we return to the list after our little break. Um, you know, that's, I'm looking at those records and I'm like, yeah, fuck that. Like, that's where, that's where I'm looking at this from a, you know, do I keep it here or do I move it up a little bit? And I'm willing to move it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Just based on that. Should we do the last record of the week? The very last one, please. Cause this is my favorite record of the week. Yeah. I figured. So <laughs> three sixteen is the who the who sell out from nineteen sixty seven. The who's third record was their first concept album, first of several, a tribute to the UK's offshore pirate radio stations. The band strung the songs together with mock commercials, Heinz Bake beans parenthetically and genuine radio jingles it's the who's funniest record the sad love ballad odorono turns out to be an ad for deodorant the band expanded its maximum r&b sound with mini rock opera rail rail giving it rail giving a hint of things to come tommy was two years away and i can see for miles road Pete Townsend's thrashiest power chords into the top 10. That fucking song crushes, dude. I can see for miles. Yeah. One of my favorites on, on this entire thing. I wrote, I think that might be the best song that the who ever made. Behind blue eyes. <sighs> That's such a weird, different feel though. I know it is, it's but I'm not I think a fucking rocker. I think that's probably my favorite one though, by them or, I mean, won't get fooled again. And that one is right up the butt of I can see for miles. Yeah. I mean, those are really stylistically. They're totally cut from the same cloth. Yeah. I think I'd have to say behind blue eyes is my favorite. Who's that's got a ton of feels. It has so many beautiful melodies too. It does. It's all about the melody on that one for me. Yeah. Yeah. I just I couldn't stop thinking about what it would have been like to listen to Ent Whistle on a live version of I Can See for Miles. Yeah. Cause you know that guy was like, you know, when I recorded Going this, off. I just fucking rode that E, but that E can suck a dick. <laughs> I'm gonna smash this thing. I'm gonna fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> In I mean, a good way. For real. Like you know that that's where he was at. And that was one of the things I didn't like about this record was that the bass was really buried. The mix was weird throughout a lot of this album. On a lot, listen, true on some songs, on other songs though, super prominent. It was either or, but yes, yes. I feel like it, a lot of them, I could barely hear it. It was either completely gone or it was there in the way that you want to hear it. And when it was there in the ways that you wanted to hear it, like he was playing with the distortion, right? He was yeah. overdriving the fuck out of it and he was kind of giving you or at least giving me everything that I would hope for from him. Yeah. Especially after seeing some of those videos that you sent me from YouTube and shit. Yeah. This He's nuts, man. He's one of the best rockers. rock players of all time. And I like, I'm so ashamed to say that it was only within the past couple of weeks that this has even occurred to me because his playing is just, it's so fucking good, dude. It's yeah. so, so good. He's great. Um, this album was fun. Yeah. It was fun in a way that I don't think many bands have fun. Does that make sense? Yeah. It reminded me a lot of Fish. They weren't taking themselves too seriously. Fuck no, they weren't. Yeah. No, they were making jokes, dude. They were making like silly songs about... Like the deodorant song. Yeah. Dude, Odorono is so ridiculous lyrically. 
It is. I mean, it really is. It's basically about this girl that's super stoked because she goes and she finally gets to meet like this rock star that she's always wanted to meet. The rock star leans over, like literally leaning in for a kiss and realizes that her fucking deodorant sucks. So just, and then he pulls back and says, oh, I got another appointment I got to go to. And she's depressed and she goes home and she realizes that she should have used Odorona. Should have. She could have avoided that <laughs> embarrassment. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> just like the song Heinz Baked Beans. Heinz Baked Beans is it's one minute as long. a song. It's not a fucking song. It's, it's, li- it's a joke. Yeah. yeah. It's what's for tea. <laughs> and uh or some silly british sounding horns yeah just totally fucking ridiculous and the funniest part about that song to me is that john entwistle has writing credits yeah i think he wrote it entirely <laughs> right like it was just him i have no clue i think so um which will what did you write uh, maybe he like like literally arranged the horn parts and that's what I'm wondering. Which would be kind of cool if he did. I'm really, really curious. Inquiring minds want to know. I really liked Armenia City in the Sky. Dude, I gave it four stars. I gave it three. But yeah, I liked I it a lot. fucking loved it, dude. Yeah. Really, really loved it. Kind of beatles Some of this was pretty beatles okay. I thought. Yes. Like, so much of this album to me... I mean, I shouldn't say so much of it. Blips and sparks here and there just totally reeked of Sgt. Pepper's to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because it's pretty psychedelic. Super psychedelic Throughout, in a lot of places. I mean, at least in certain, yeah. Certain yeah. But even with Armenia in the city, like just really some kind of crazy trippy sounds that are going on back there. Right off there. the bat, yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the songs that I thought the mix for the Ox was really fucking solid. Like Entwistle's bass lines on that song in particular were just, they were and he was overdriven pretty hard a good tone super hard yeah rattly yeah are you sold on overdrive bass after listening to john 100 percent, dude that's awesome one because i remember like when this first came up I you were like i do not it. like distorted bass i know i yeah. know but it's you know i think what it is is it's a combination of the distortion with basically the treble like cranked as fucking high as yeah. he can get because it. it is it's yeah, it's super. It literally super sounds trembling. like what I love about John Entwistle's tone is it sounds like it's so loud and overdriven that the speaker is literally rattling, banging <laughs> against something inside of the cabinet. You know, yes. absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But that to me is just, ugh. but it's so authentic sounding. It's magic. So it's guttural. Yeah, you know, and really, really unique too. Because I mean, yeah, you get overdrive bass in plenty of places, but man, not. Not that sounds like that. No. Um, did you like tattoo? <sighs> it was okay. I mean, it was a little silly. It was a little. So I like silliness. It's super silly. I like silliness, but I don't like. I'm going to try to put a. And these are just words, random words I'm using to describe different vibes. Okay. And if these words don't mean this to you, try to understand like the vibe I'm putting forth and not the nec- the literal meaning of the word. There's like a difference between silliness and like whimsicality okay okay i don't necessarily love the whimsicality all the time like (laughs) like like for example paul mccartney's ram way too whimsical for me i don't like that and it's a lot of a lot of british artists do this like very whimsical thing to me that kind of felt like that so i mean obviously i like silliness like think about like frank zappa compared to paul mccartney ram like there's silliness with frank zappa 
it's at least the word, like I said, the word I'm using, <laughs> you know, to describe the my feeling on it. Frank Zappa's silly. Paul McCartney's whimsical. Yeah. You know, I don't like the whimsicality. That's a personal taste thing. And that's the best way to say it. Because, again, like, my note there was that was super Sergeant Peppery. Yeah. Super Sergeant Peppery. And I think of, like, like I do think that there's aspects of um, Magical Mystery Tour and Sergeant Peppers that are excessively whimsical. Yeah. I guess I don't never thought that that much about Sergeant Peppers. Because... Which I don't know. Yeah, we could. We should have a. We'll have a chance to have a conversation about that. Yes. But But that's like one of my favorite albums of all time. I know, but think about it from the term. Like, I mean, because there's 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 not a lot of like extreme. The messaging of that album is not intense, or um, like. And I'm trying to think about the right word here. It's not like a super, super powerful message. Does that make sense? And Sergeant Peppers? Yeah. It's not like there's yeah. no songs on Sergeant Peppers that have like some deep intrinsical meaning to them. Yeah. I don't think so. And if you <laughs> yeah. th- no, I mean, really, there's not. And yeah. if you think about it, I actually think that whimsical is a really good word to use to describe that maybe not as good as magical mystery tour like magical mystery tour to me is like excessively whimsical in a lot of ways yeah but i don't dislike that and again maybe i'm not using the right word like whatever i mean by (laughs) by whimsical in the context of music i don't hear as much in sergeant pepper so maybe i should find a better word to use (laughs) you know what i mean no i don't think so i no i actually i think that you're using the right word I just don't think that um, I don't think that you've ever tried to be too critical with Sergeant Pepper's. Maybe I just fell in love with it early on and just yeah. kind of let it ride. But I think if you really wanted to approach Sergeant Pepper's with like a more critical eye, I think that you would use the word whimsical. Okay, but it's not done distastefully. Yeah, and that is probably what you're wrestling with with this record. Is there's a certain like there's a certain level of taste, right? Yeah. That, like, and speaking of distasteful whimsicality, uh, Brian Wilson smile. Fuck. You know that's exactly what that's I perfect. do not like. You know, yeah. and I feel like there's a little bit of that here. And and I and I get that. Yeah, I um I understand why you feel that way. I didn't necessarily feel as strongly about it. It's yeah. there, dude. It's super super there. But it's just not. Yeah. But it's not so overpowering to me that I'm still going to call it more silly than whimsical. I, I hear you. you know? And I, I don't definitely like this better than than that. <laughs> you know? Just yeah. Like, uh, I liked a lot of this, but there was just some songs. It, this was pretty hot and cold for me because I, I loved, like like I said, I loved Armenia setting the sky. I loved Marianne with the shaky hand. Cool, like acoustic folk rock almost. Yep. You know, the third track. Yep. Um. I liked Odorono. I didn't like Tattoo that much. Did you like Tattoo? I, feel I did. You did like that? Yeah, I liked Odorono and Tattoo basically the same. Odorono is funny because I gave it two stars, and I literally wrote like a little star above that, and I wrote the word maybe next to it. Because I'm like, I feel like that, like I feel like I would be willing to give that more stars just because 
it's re- like it's really funny. <laughs> like it's so clever. It is and funny. It's so funny. I do that same thing sometimes too with yeah. the, like the maybe star. Yeah, but tattoo I actually gave three stars. Um, funny lyrics. I, that's the thing, dude. I just kept giggling. Like yeah. I was literally, I was giggling while I was listening to that because it's so fucking patently ridiculous. It is very absurd. ridiculous, and they're just oddly specific about yeah, you know, about the about the tattoo being on their body is going to be with them for the rest of their life, and just the way they word things kind of does remind you of fish a little bit, you know. It, I mean, it re- like it really, it really does, you know. And right now in my life, like all roads lead to fish, but still, it was like I did like it. I gave five stars to I can see for miles. Because if you didn't, you're a jerk. I didn't give it five. You jerk. But I liked it. That was like my second favorite track. Oh, what was your favorite track? Probably Armenia. Really? I loved that one. I put four stars next to that. It probably could have had five. The Um, chorus on that is really, really spectacular. I did not like Our Love Was. Um, Didn't like that one much at all. Yeah, I didn't either. Um. I can't read the baseline you. though. Okay. I did, dude, I dig like the baseline on Our Love Was. Yeah. But the song itself was just it wasn't great. Um I liked uh Relax. Yes. I gave three stars to Relax. Nice. I really liked that a lot. It had a cool little shuffle to it. I also gave three stars to Rael parts one and part two. I liked that one too, yeah. Yeah. Which was just the one track, right? <laughs> yes. Like not both. Yeah, because like yeah. I was reading that. On the re-release, there was Ryle 1 and then Ryle 2, but they were miscorrectly labeled. This Ryle is part 1 and 2, and the other one is like some kind of reprise. Oh, weird. You can definitely hear, like you can definitely hear when they end part 1 and go into part 2. Why do I know that outro to Ryle? Was that on the live, the live who? That like, it's like, dun, dun. Like that little instrumental yes. section at the end. Like, well, why do I know that? Because I because I knew that from somewhere. And I don't know if it was if they maybe played that on the live Who album that we had. Man, maybe I don't remember it. But did you pick up in Sunrise when they started that acoustic guitar run? You heard Tommy there, right? I did not but it's entirely possible. It's like literally the very first part, because there's kind of that long, like finger-picked acoustic guitar run. The very first bar of that, if you go back and you re-listen to that, it sounds to me like they listened to that and they were like, oh man, we got something really good here. Like instead of... Instead of running down these notes like they did on Sunrise, they they it felt to me like they just took that first measure and they're like, dude, this is too good. Let's just repeat this a few times. And that it literally it sounds like Tommy to me is mm, what it sounds like. But um, I'll listen to that again with with that in mind. Yeah, but uh, Rael one and two is really really good. And it was funny because like the way that it appeared on Apple Music. So when they cut this record, they actually cut a repeating track into the back of side two mm. and you get that on the digital recording too like they only repeat it two, they might repeat it like four times and then they just fade it out but if you actually own the vinyl to this record and you don't ever stop the record it'll just continue to repeat kind of like the way the i think the white album does so it's like a circle at the end yes okay it's, yeah so it's a single groove that doesn't go anywhere and it'll just continue to repeat and it literally says, 
it like you can make out the words the track ran out and it just continues to repeat that oh the track ran out the track ran out the track that's kind of cool the track ran out it is kind of cool I, like I didn't even think about that around. being like a possibility with records. With records, you yeah. can just have like a groove that leads into that circle, and then it's just like a circle. Yes, <laughs> there's no ex- breaking of it. There's no breaking <laughs> of it, and that's exactly what this record does. That's and, cool. And they put a little snippet into it into the digital recording, but if you actually buy the vinyl, it would be burned in there. And if you didn't stop the record, it wouldn't ever stop. It, it would just keep going until it you turn it off. Yeah, yeah. it would just continue to repeat. So I dug that. Like, there's, I don't know. That makes me want it on vinyl. It does. It makes me, I mean, I, I wanted to buy it on vinyl anyway, just because I do like, like, the songs on here. And I want to see this gatefold, because this gatefold was put together. It's all, like, a big joke. It's supposed to be, like, this big pirate radio station. And so the gatefold has basically four different advertisements that are that are listed throughout the record. So the picture of Pete Townsend is him with a giant stick of Odorono deodorant. Um, Roger Daltrey is sitting in a bathtub full of Heinz baked beans, which is another track on here. Um, Keith Moon is applying um, Medak, which Medak on the record was a song basically about zit cream. So he's like applying zit cream to an oversized zit on his face on the gatefold. And then um, John Entwistle is dressed up like Tarzan holding on to like this, this big tittied blonde woman next to him. And that represents the commercial for um, like Dr. Dynamics, like workout kit. Or oh yeah. The fuck it uh, was. At the end of yes. Sunrise maybe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like so, y- you will be a specimen of a man. You'll be something. a specimen. Of a man. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. But it was something like that. But, but that was the other clever part about that is a lot of those commercials were literally just cut by Keith Moon and John Entwistle. A lot of those were real commercials. Did you know that? Yes. Like that because they they, they, got they fucking recorded. Sued, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That they just like put on their uh, their album. Yeah. They yeah, like they had already recorded. On there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which is hilarious. <laughs> I think there's so much going on here. I like, I really like it. I do want to pick up this vinyl. I liked the record. Um, I liked the record digitally. It's one, it's one that I'm not going to delete. I'm going to keep it in my digital collection. Um, I wish that it wasn't a super fucking bango deluxe version that has 87 tracks to it. Like, I don't need that much. That would be better if it was out. yeah. Yeah. I wish it was just the OG. But. I want the 38 minute version, you know, which is, <laughs> yes, which is what the OG at. version. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I would do the vinyl for sure. I would do it. And I'm not interested. I'm not going to do the digital, but yeah, you, I, I, you liked it more than me. I'm glad you did because you're kind of, I do like the who in general, you know, even this, though this wasn't my favorite album by them, I do like them. So I'm glad you're kind of starting to work up to that a little more. Listen, without John Entwistle, I would wouldn't have never happened. be down with the who. Yeah. But at this point in the game, I'm really like, I'm, I'm, I'm ostensibly all in as long as he's in the mix. Yeah. Does that make sense? Definitely. Especially. And, but he's got to be in the mix. He's got to be prominent too. Because so many of these songs, like he's not mixed well and it really sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's super noticeable when you don't get his base. Yeah. Like something is missing. Um, now with that being said, I don't like, I don't feel super strongly about 
moving it up unless you're just going to move it up like 15 spots. Because I would take it closer it to 300. 300. Yeah. yeah, only because I know, you know, I know what else is coming up. So, yeah, I'd probably leave it as is or even drop it down a little tiny bit. Yeah. But not a lot, you know. Um, I don't want to see it drop down below 400 or anything like that, you know, but a little bit would be okay. But if it was at 375, would you be happy? Yeah. 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 But I'm also not unhappy at 316. No, it's super unique. Yeah. It's super unique. They had a fun, they had a fun idea and I think that they executed they it rode well. with it. Yep. Yeah. So Rex says, ah, yes, the experimental sounds of the who. That is exactly what this record is. A noise cloud bursting forth and raining down the smooth sounds. This feels like, quote, the preamble to the soundtrack to the Tommy or to the soundtrack to the musical Tommy. It's an adventurous type of music and sound. It's psychedelic and trippy. Good album. Yeah. Yeah. We agree. Cool, cool, with you, Rex. cool. We agree with you, buddy. On that, at least. Yeah. Fucking Jesus. I don't even remember what we were angry with Rex about. Because he hated the Stone Roses. Jesus, Rex. Hate. Such he hated a, it. Such a strong word. <laughs> okay. Um. So... So next week, more to come on what the hell we're going to do next week. Yes, more to come on that. We're going to you'll that get out. another. We'll, we'll, you get another Rolling Stones entry two weeks, right? Two weeks from today. Yes. Yeah. 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 A normal. Actually, maybe it's going to be that Thursday. We'll, yeah, we'll because there's gigs. It. Like, there's a bunch of stuff coming. We have up, some so. stuff that weekend, but yeah, that weekend you will get another Rolling Stones. We'll episode get, we'll get back to the list for those that are not interested in fish but for those that are maybe open to it a little bit <laughs> you know fish listen. questioning exactly that's what i was looking for uh <laughs> check it out but the next episode will be fish centric it will be fish centric yeah we'll be in the pool we'll be in the tank yeah in the tank at that point but should we go ahead and preview the next rolling stone episode yes let's do that yeah because other i mean I guess we can revisit it again next week. Yeah, we'll probably do both, but yeah. we, we might as well hit it hit it now. Yeah, because the next week where we return to Rolling Stone, it's going to, listen, it's going to be interesting. Um, at number 315, another very, very highly ranked, very recent album from 2018. The album is El Mal Carrer by Rosalia. 314 is Aaliyah. Am I saying that right? Aaliyah. Aaliyah. Aaliyah, so no, you could have just said no. Uh, Aaliyah, one in a million. <laughs> um, oh, hey, an editorial comment for anybody that's curious. If you're playing this game at home, you are not going to find one in a million on any streaming service because... If Aaliyah, you do, let us know. Yeah, if you fucking know where to get this outside of just buying the CD, please let us know. But that one's going to be tricky because Aaliyah um, died in a plane crash and her estate is still fucking up in terms of getting her material on streaming services. So if you figure out a way to listen to it without buying the CD, let us know. Um, after that, at number 313 from 2000, we're going to talk about PJ Harvey's album, Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea. I have no idea what that is. I did a cold listen to that. Did you like it? Um, I did like it, actually. Okay, cool. It's different. Yeah. 312 is Solange, a seat at the table. Are you familiar with that? No. That's a fucking spectacular record. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm excited for you. And the last one that we're going to talk about once we return to this bullshit list is the 1974 album from Neil Young, On the Beach. Do you know that one? Mm, not by the name, but I, I'm sure I know some of the tunes on it. 
I can almost promise you that I will not. You're not really a Neil Young guy, right? I, it's not that I dislike Neil Young. I had a traumatic experience with Neil Young oh, yeah. when I was in high <laughs> school Jam. at a Pearl Jam concert. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. yep. Really fucked. Dude, I fucking lost... I lost decades. You don't think traumatic is a strong word there? <laughs> no, I... not Listen, dude, I lost decades where I could have been enjoying Neil Young, but because of the post-traumatic stress disorder of having to see him perform with Pearl Jam for hours where they played the same songs... Over and over and over again. They didn't yeah. really do that. <laughs> but it felt like that. I was in high school. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. a bad look. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. As thank always, mm-hmm. we will see you next time, okay? Bye-bye. We'll see you next week at the Fish Show. <laughs> see you there. Happy Summer Tour. <laughs>